Good morning, Vision. How are you this morning? <clears throat> Excuse me. It's time to pray. <sighs> I give great thanks for this day, for everyone in it, for those on their way, and for those who are home tuning in around the world. <laughs> I give thanks for all life everywhere, knowing that all life is some part of the life of God. We know that we are individualized expressions of this universal intelligence that has sought and found a way to experience itself in form, and we are that, and all form is that. The entire manifest universe is the body of God. And so we know that we are whole, perfect, and complete, just as we are. Total outpicturing of this source, which is itself whole, perfect, and complete in every way, in every form that it shows up as. So I give great thanks for this time we spend together to remember this, to remember our truth for ourselves and for each other and know that it is, it is a glorious day. It is a day that God has made specifically for us, and isn't that a blessing? <laughs> Giving great thanks, I simply let it be, and so it is. <clears throat> well, it's Mother's Day, so uh, how about uh, moms? Any moms in the room? Yay? Okay, cool. I love it. Here's, here's the one I just get to do this year. Any grandmas? <laughs> Yay! Look at that! <laughs> great grandmas. Do we have any great grandmas? Yay! Oh my gosh, look at this wonderful. Any dads as moms? You know dads are moms too, right? Any, any dads who are moms? Yes? Absolutely, absolutely. We love it. Anybody uh, give, uh, you know, fur, fur babies? Right? Moms to fur babies? Oh my gosh, say, look at that. Of course, moms to fur babies. What else have we got? Um, uh, anybody give birth to an idea? Now everybody's hand should be up, all right? Anybody give birth to an idea? Come on. Okay, anybody here was born, right? <laughs> oh, thank you. All of your hands should be up. <sighs> okay, I just want to uh, read this. This is from Amy Young, and she said, Happy Mother's Day for all mothers. We celebrate you. And I can't get through this without crying, so bear with me. Those who celebrate all the aspects, good and bad, of motherhood, to those who experienced loss through miscarriage, <laughs> failed adoptions, <laughs> running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, <laughs> fraught with pokes and prods and tears and disappointment, <sighs> we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those of you who are foster moms, mentor moms, spiritual moms, the world needs you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who, has who have lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who have lost a mother this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge you. To those who have lived through driving tests, medical tests, the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we support your intention with love. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on this complex path. 
To those who lavish love on grandchildren, <laughs> enjoy. To those who have envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream has not yet happened, we vision with you. To those who have empty nests, we grieve and rejoice with you. <laughs> to those who have placed children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness, and we remember how you hold that child in your heart always. This Mother's Day, we walk with you all. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. And we have real warriors in our midst. We acknowledge you, all of you. Thank you. This monthly theme is light within the shadow. And so last week we talked about being in the dark, right? Because that's, sometimes that's how you feel when you're on this spiritual path is Sometimes you just feel like you're in the dark. So today we're going to light a candle. That's the name of today's talk. Light a candle. Shine a light on our false beliefs, on our fears, on our doubts. And what I know is we cannot shame ourselves into change. Right? And you know, I know that there are a lot of, a lot of religions that really try to do that, right? Tell you how awful you are, beat you up, and then send you home. And we're not that. <laughs> We are not that. We cannot shame ourselves into change. We can only love ourselves into transcendence. And we transcend and we include, right? We transcend and include. That's what we do. And I, I sort of feel like I left you hanging last week when I said we have to go down to the basement, right, and shine a light on those dark corners and see the monsters for what they are. But then what, right? And I didn't get to that part last week, you know? Ernest Holmes told this story um, years ago about a client that he had. And the client told him of a dream, well, actually a nightmare. And in the nightmare, the man is scared, and he's being pursued by this giant monster. And the monster kept creeping closer and closer and closer to him in this nightmare, until the man, terrified, cries out, what are you going to do to me? What are you going to do? And the monster hovers over him and leans in and says, I don't know, you tell me, this is your dream. <laughs> and, and really, isn't that real, what we do with our own monsters, right? We imagine them to be bigger and bigger, but they're just a product of our thoughts. They're just a product of us. And yes, they may have had their roots in an actual event, you know, from your childhood, but they only remain in the now, in your present, because of the thoughts that keep them alive, that keep that energy that you keep pouring into them, that keeps them current and nourished and in your now. In the, in the I was going to say, in cosmic light, this is a story all of its own. <laughs> there was a, a little annuals that Ernest Holmes, they used to have printed uh, years ago, little tiny white annuals, and, and this one was called, uh, I don't even remember, oh, Light. It was called Light, and it was a compilation of a lot of different authors. And Ernest Holmes uh, wrote something in the book called Cosmic Light. But, you know, we have like an in-house archivist of our very own, I don't know if you know, Nana Gristy in the back of the room. She's our licensed practitioner and resident archivist. And she will find the source of all of these quotes that I have from Ernest Holmes because that little annual book was produced, I think, in 1971. Well, Ernest Holmes had been dead for 11 years, so I know it wasn't really from there, although that's the book it's published in. It actually is in, well, 
well. It's in another book called The Anatomy of Healing Prayer. And those are the Ernest Holmes papers. If you ever get an opportunity to grab the Ernest Holmes papers, do. There's three volumes. Um, and they're amazing, amazing uh, lectures and classes that he gave, and uh, they're just amazing. So anyway, this Anatomy of Healing Prayer is where uh, the Holmes Papers, Volume 2, is where this quote came from, but not really, because that was also published after. Um, it, it actually comes from a talk he gave in September of 1958, and she found all of this stuff. Is that amazing? I just love you for this. Thank you. So this is, this is what he said. We need to break through our habitual thought patterns, which repeat themselves with monotonous regularity. We could not do this if there were not a transcendent pattern for us, if there were not a light beyond our darkness. This light is not a figment of fanciful imagination. There is such a transcendence in every living being. This light that is within all of us, it is our light, it's spirit within us, within every cell, within, it, within every organ and muscle and tissue uh, of our body, and it knows of itself as wholeness. It knows of itself as perfect and whole and complete. It the light of our being heals by revealing the wholeness that lies beneath. I mean, could you imagine if we didn't have the opportunity to heal? I mean, healing is our birthright. Ernest Holmes said, healing is our birthright. I mean, think of all the things that you went through your whole life, the skinned knees and the scabbed elbows and the broken teeth and the black eyes or whatever, you know? If your body never healed, you'd be walking around looking like that. It's like, oh my God, you know, you'd be wearing all of these wounds you've had. No, but we heal, we heal. And everything untrue dissolves away in the light of this, the light of this truth. And that light is within us. So, like I said, I felt like I left you in the dark <laughs> last week. Going down to the basement with the flashlight, right? And we find those monsters that are in the corner of our consciousness in there with the cobwebs and the darkness, right? And those monsters are illusions of, of, of our thoughts and our past. They are mists of a long ago time that no longer ex exists, except when we keep bringing them up into our consciousness, when we keep dragging them along into our present. Ernest Holmes used to say, we walk around with the rotting corpse of yesterday over our shoulder. Isn't that a lovely picture? I mean. It's just, he just had a way with words. <laughs> but, you know, you can just think about that. Holy moly, right? So, so it's our job then to see them. You know, it is our job to see them, to vanquish them with the spiritual tools that we have here, that we acquire in this faith philosophy. And again, going back to Cosmic Light, I won't give you the whole story again. Going back to the Holmes Papers. <sighs> He says, the future evolution will be only as we perceive that light in our darkness until the darkness is no longer there. Only as we accept the divine individualization can we discover within us that which is already perfect and whole and complete. This is where the soul makes the great claim on God. This is where the spirit discovers itself in creation. And we are those creations, right? This is where we unite with that light that lights everything. 
right within us, right? Right within us. So there are a couple of tools. This is what I wanted to share with you today. There are a couple of tools, three actually, three spiritual tools we can use to change our thinking, right? I told you last week, Ernest Holmes said simple, not easy. Okay? It's simple, three tools, that's it, just three. <laughs> and Plotinus said of these, of these spiritual teachings, Plotinus said, this is the gift that all have but few use. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so first part. No, I love this word. No giati, right? G-I-A-T-I, -I, no giati. God is all there is. Know it. Know it for, to, the, to the core of your being. Know it. Know it, live it, identify everything as it. Everything that you see, think, feel, touch, every relationship you have, every encounter you have, every condition you experience, know it. God is all there is. God is all there is. And, and so how do we make that, how do we make that alive in our life, in our experiences, right? This lectern, I love this lectern. My daughter made this, by the way, in junior high school. Junior high school wood, woodworking shop. Anyway, this lectern originated as an idea in the mind of God. And someone, my daughter, caught that thought, acted upon that idea, and co-created with divine mind flowing through her this lectern you see before you. See how everything starts with a thought? Everything starts in consciousness. Everything. This lectern is no less spirit than I am. It's the same thing. It's energy. Originating in mind, outpicturing in form, using the same substance that makes up everything. <laughs> that reminds me of that joke. You know, the, the atoms, like everything is energy, right? Everything is atoms. And you know that old joke about don't trust atoms, they make up everything, right? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, where is my, where is my drum? Okay. Never mind. So, so the first, this first part, immerse ourselves in the truth of that oneness. Immerse ourselves in the truth of the oneness. Everything, everyone, every thought, it's all playing out in the field of all God. There is just nothing else. This is our core concept number one, right, in this teaching. Core concept number one, God's all there is. You don't have to think about anything else. Not, it's not God and anything, right? It's not God and, it's just God. It's just God. Immerse ourselves in that truth. Everyone, everywhere. This is actually the first two steps of our five-step prayer treatment, isn't it? Recognition is one, recognize God is all there is, and then two, unify with that. So that whatever I think of God, I'm that too, right? Those are the first two steps of our affirmative prayer. But it is the first, it's the first part here. Just recognize everything, everything, everything as God. Okay, second part. Form the correct image. Isn't that a lovely phrase? I like that. I got that from a book. Um, where is it? I wrote it down here someplace. Oh, Hidden Power for Human Problems. Doesn't that sound lovely? That was Frederick Bales. He was a, a colleague of Ernest Holmes. And that's what he said. Form the correct image. We're dealing with a law that does not question. It just does not question us. When we move from the meditative part to the active part, we move from receiving the impress 
of, of uh, a spiritual thought, spiritual idea, to speaking our word. So we actually move from being the receptive to being the active, right? When we get to the third part of our affirmative prayer, we're speaking our word into the law. We then are commanding the law. And we speak our word. We are the voice of God individualized as us. And as we direct the law, we are that active part of that. Remember the teaching symbol? <laughs> I got a great idea this, this morning from Jill. Why don't you put the teaching symbol up in the room so I can actually refer to it? And I think I will do that because I talk about it a lot and it's just not up here anywhere. So the teaching symbol, you know, the big circle, the V, the three parts. We have to know that yeah, there it is. We have to know, thank you, Adrian. We have to know that our, our word has power, right? We, we do those first two steps of treatment, and we're in the meditative state. We are understanding. We are receptive. And then when we speak our word, we are the active. We are the word of God. We must speak only truth. We must speak only truth in this part, Right? That aspect of the divine just simply goes to work out picturing what is being put into it without question, and it proceeds to outpicture as conditions in our lives. We must speak only truth. Stay away from fixing things, right? We always try to do that in prayer, don't we? I got this condition. I want that condition. Let's just swap, you know? But you're still working on the level of the condition, right? I got this thing. I want that thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about speaking only truth. God is love and beauty and, and order and, and peace and power. This is what we're putting. We're speaking only truth in this place. This is the correct image. When we say form the correct image, that's it. We know this awesome power that is moving through us by our word is positive and powerful and infallible and impersonal. It works the same way with everyone. It doesn't question. It simply moves through us as we allow it. But we must speak only truth. Works, works the same way all the time, but we must speak only truth. It's not, oh, I want that job or give me that, you know, I want to I get on with Qualcomm or I want that corner office. You know, the one with the purple carpet? That's what I want. It's not about that. It's not about the conditions. God does not work in a lie. You want to know why sometimes you're, you're manifest like that and sometimes you don't, and it's like, well, what am I putting into the law? What am I putting into the law? What am I commanding? What, what image am I creating in my mind? Is it truth? Because we must know our word has power, but, but we must speak truth. Uh, Emma Curtis Hopkins. Emma Curtis Hopkins used to say, forgive my lack of confidence to command the law. I love that. Because that's really what we do, right? We hold back. We're shy. We're, we don't feel like we're powerful enough. Or me? Who me? Are you kidding? You know? Not worthy, not good enough, whatever. Right? So we have to work our way through that. Forgive my lack of confidence to command the law. And command the law. Do it then we fall into doubt, right? We fall into doubt. <sighs> when we form the correct image, we do so with feeling, we do so with emotion, we do it with thought, we see it, we feel it, we smell the fragrance of it, whatever it is, we know it is so. We know it is so, and we allow the false beliefs to fall away. They just fall away. We let our thoughts uh, swing out 
into you know into eternity. We let we let our thoughts swing out into the universe, and we understand there is no such thing as matter in spiritual law. This is another thing that Emma Curtis Hopkins said. She used to say, "Steadfastly facing Thee, there is no matter in Thy law. The laws of matter are subject to the spiritual law, and conditions change." We dive wholeheartedly into this teaching, into this philosophy. We we dive wholeheartedly into the truth, so that we know nothing else but that. And that leads me to my favorite Ernest Holmes quote of all time. It's in your book. It's on page two eighty-two. I love it, love it, love it. And Nan's laughing already. I love it, love it, love it. I say it over and over again. It is just the best. It's worth the price of the book. Just this one quote. <laughs> He says, "Stay with the one and never deviate from it. Never leave it for a moment. Nothing can equal this attitude. To desert the truth in the time of need is to prove we do not know the truth. When things look their worst, that is the supreme moment to demonstrate to ourselves that there is no obstruction to the operation of truth. When things look their worst, it's the." Best time to work, the most satisfying time. The person who can throw himself with complete abandon into that limitless sea of receptivity, having cut loose from all apparent moorings, is the one who will always receive the greatest reward. That's it. I mean, that's the whole book right there, right? Jump in, both feet. Don't hold anything back. Your whole being. Your whole being has to rely on God. Fully rely on God. That's another acronym, right? Frog, <laughs> frog. Fully rely on God. We give ourselves over to truth, and truth reveals itself. There is no other or contrary thought in our mind, so truth reveals itself, and that all begins in that truth of oneness. We are that which Thou art. God is perfect; therefore, we are perfect. We are the perfect individualized expression. We are. I am the perfect Patty. I, I could have been five foot seven. I would have liked that a little better. But anyway, I'm the perfect one, right? We are the perfect individualizations. That's what we are, and we no longer hover over the problem. I gotta fix this. I gotta fix this. I gotta fix this. We no longer hover over the problem. The problem doesn't even exist. Doesn't even exist. It's just a condition, and we know what conditions do, right? They come to pass. You know, they say that in the Bible all the time. It came to pass. It came to pass. It never says it came to stay. Ever. <laughs> ever. It came to pass. Of course it did. It's a condition. It comes and goes, and we know that it goes. So we no longer hover over the problem. The problem doesn't exist. Our eye is single. Our, my, our, our mind is filled with light. Right? Isn't that what it says? When our eye is single, our, our body is filled with light, and that's that's the total conviction of our beliefs. Now, part three. Part three is the release, which goes along really with our affirmative prayer. I love this. In affirmative prayer, we release to what? To the action of the law. The law is that specialized. Aspect of the divine that simply produces, right? It simply creates. That's what God does. It creates. So when we talk about the law, we're talking about the impersonal and infallible aspect of God, 
that actually does the creating, right? That's it. So we release to the action of the law the subjective nature of the divine. It means subject to, right? When we talk about the subjective nature of God, we're talking about that aspect that is subject to, subject to our thought, right? Subject to what? Subject to our thought. We put our thought in there with conviction and with color, with emotion and feeling. And the law says, so it is. And it begins to outpicture. It is subject to what is placed into it all the time. It, it simply moves to create, and it doesn't do anything until it has been given that command by us. And then we're free to go about our business. Not sit around the apartment and hoping and wishing and wondering when it's going to happen. We are free to go about our business, to continue to walk, to continue to do your job, to continue to act, you know, be active in your life, to continue to be open to opportunities and coincidences and serendipity, to, be, to continue to do what we do. And we do it while we are resting in the wisdom of truth that it's done. That it's done. The thing that we prayed is, is coming into our experience from somewhere. We don't know where, because why? Because we don't get into the how. We just don't get into the how. We know God's taken care of business. We absolutely know it, because we did that in step two, right? It seems so simple. Ernest Holmes said, it's so simple. Sometimes it's just not easy. Doubt creeps in. Anybody have doubt creep in? I think Ernest Holmes has a whole chapter in the book about it. Doubt creeps in. Fear happens. Questions of timing. I did my prayer with it. Oh, I'm sorry. Where is my demonstration? Why isn't it here yet? What's going on? This stuff doesn't work. Right? Doesn't it? It just flows like that. And how do you change your life? Ernest Holmes said, your negative earthly experiences and associations are largely what you have made of them. Rather than being what they might have been, had you allowed God to manage things. <laughs> I love it. Everybody wants to work for God, but only as a consultant. <laughs> our thoughts, our fears, our doubts come in and hold up the demonstration, don't they? Right? You give this powerful demand on the universe. You command the law with confidence, and then little by little, doubt and fear creep in, and, and, and so... Then what happens is we're at cross-purposes, right? We've made this lovely, lovely affirmation and command on the law, and then the doubt and the fear creeps in. Whatever it is, I can't, I'm afraid of, uh, I don't have enough power. We think we have to do it, and we're not the ones doing it, right? And so those doubts and fears begin to gain power, okay? Because that's what you're focusing on now. You're focusing on the, the stuff you don't want. And here's the thing. I, this is the part that I love the best. Oh, God, we're so dumb. Um, the part of our thinking that falls into duality, right? We fall into duality. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen. I don't know. Am I good enough? Is this going to work out? I don't know if it's going to work out. All those things that creep in, that is also taking place in the field of all God, isn't it? Because go back to core concept one, God's all there is. So you see, our doubts and our fears, that is also playing out on the field of all God as well. Just like we're planting the seeds of what we want, we're actually planting the seeds of what we don't want. So go in and pull those suckers up. Go 
go in and pull up those weeds. They're seeds of fear and doubt. Just like you made that command, your, your energy of fear is a visceral thing. Your energy of doubt is a, is, a, is a visceral thing. So you're planting those seeds as well. And then they start sprouting because the law is not going to care what you're putting into it. It just goes to work out picturing. So now it's going to work out picturing the fear and the doubt and the delay. Get in there and pull those weeds out. And Ernest Holmes, somebody, Ernest Holmes, I think it was, called it the second crop, right? When you do your prayer work and you do your five steps of affirmative prayer and you speak your word into the, into the law and the law goes to work because it doesn't question. And then comes the fear and the doubt. And so that's a new uh, second crop. It was called a second crop. So you have to get in there. You have to pull those up. Those are the seeds of the things you don't want that the law is also going to work trying to outpicture because you're that powerful, because you are that powerful. So we go in and pull those weeds up. We pull them up, and then we go back to step two again, don't we? We go back to knowing the truth again. We commit to knowing the truth again and only truth. And then we go to step three and release again, and Ernest Holmes said this, let us then believe in the light and the life. Let us seek to see it everywhere to feel it, to announce it, to pronounce it. The greatness which we recognize in Moses and Buddha and Jesus and Emerson is wonderful if they have awakened us to a higher perception of ourselves. We may know that perception now if they have awakened us to the knowledge that there are no prophets but the wise, there is no God higher than truth, and that there is no universe which we can escape from. If they have awakened us to all of that, they have merely awakened us to a self-perception of something which has always existed within us. We are the light. We are the light. We are the ones that transform our lives by co-creating with this power we didn't create, with this presence that we didn't make. We're allowing it to flow through us and change the conditions around us. We are that. We see with that single eye. We are filled with light. God is our power. We are God's outlet. Let there be light.